Hello, we are back. It has been almost two months since I have uploaded a podcast or even had a podcast, and I have good reasons for that. Um, the last episode was with The Shop, and that was uploaded on December 16th, Monday. So at least I'm keeping the Monday habit going. Um, <clears throat> I uploaded that about three or four weeks after I interviewed all of those guys down there because the Friday before I did that, or I'm sorry, the day after the Friday we did that interview, I had surgery. I had shoulder reconstruction surgery. And um, basically back in 2015, I was pushing my friend's car that had broken down. He, I don't really actually know what happened. I think he hit the brakes or something happened, I slipped, he hit the brake, something, and my shoulder came out of its socket with a lot of excitement. And I didn't know how to put it back in, so it was out for about four or five minutes. And like an asshole, I went to, excuse me, I went to CVS and bought a mesh sling, and that's how I treated that. Uh, So, Basically, since 2015, my shoulder came out of its socket about 40 or 50 times, and I never really had either the time or the courage or the insurance or the money to go get it looked at, and then finally it came out while I was asleep, and then I decided that it was time. So, I went to... A couple of different doctors, a couple of different surgeons. I was told that I lost about 40% of the bone mass in my shoulder, which was pretty bad. Uh, and I got it fixed. So I had the surgery on November 25th, and then I could not use my left arm for six weeks, which landed me about like New Year's time. And right now I am currently recovering and still I can finally use my arm again which is awesome but I can't do many of the things I used to be able to do but once physical therapy is over which I'm doing by myself uh, it should be good to go Um, I should also mention that 10 days before that surgery I was laid off from my job and that sucked but I didn't really like that job, so I woke up every day kind of just thinking, great, I gotta fucking do this again, and then I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna go to sleep, and then I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna go do this again. So uh, I can't really complain about being laid off because I think it was the universe's way of kind of kicking me into or out of a spot. And uh, thankfully, I am joining another company soon, next week, most likely. Um, And that's going to be a lot of fun. It's a good company working for good causes, which is really rare. And something I've been wishing that I could do for a long time is work for people that are doing good work. And um, now I get that opportunity, and we'll see how it goes. So anyway, on to the episode... Um, 
I was really lucky to somehow come across Adrian Wilson on Instagram. You can find his work at Interior Photography on Instagram, all one word, spelled exactly how it's spelled. And then his other account is called Plandalism, which is a play on the word vandalism, obviously. Uh, P-L-A-N-N-E-D-A-L-I-S-M on Instagram. So Adrian is a very... um, a very cool person just on the surface if you look at his Instagram he's a photographer uh, you'll hear he was kind of started out as a graphic designer a little bit um, <clears throat> but he is also extremely down-to-earth like if you look at the the clients that he shot photos for Apple New York Times Victoria's Secret like um, a lot of very very high-dollar real estate in New York City um, and I think all over the world, I'm pretty sure he's international. Um, I know he was born in England. He'll talk about that. Uh, but he's one of those guys that I just got a vibe from that was doing amazing work that I think a lot of people want to do. A lot of people are, would kill to be in his position, but he doesn't act like that. He doesn't act like he knows that he's got everything. He's grateful, but he doesn't put off this vibe that it's owed to him and one of the biggest things I think has become a huge problem with success and being you know successful in America not just America I'm sure it's all over the world is this pulling up the ladder once you get up to this level um, I I'm firmly believe that no one is self-made uh, we all have a motivation and a voice in our head to get us up every day and to go do something and try something. So the strength of that voice varies on people. But if you sell a product, someone has to buy it. If you sell a service, someone has to need it. If you create art, someone's going to be there to interpret it. And someone has to see the value in it. That's the curse of being a human with seven billion other human beings. You're not self-made because you were born by two people coming together and creating a person. So the whole I did this myself kind of thing, self-made, is bullshit, really. I mean, Kylie Jenner is not self-made. Sorry. Uh, Jay-Z is not self-made. Bill Gates is not self-made. People bought their shit. People saw their value and invested in it somehow, some way. So you really need to appreciate those people. You need to appreciate the people that receive what you put out because otherwise, who the fuck are you? Um, So I see that with Adrian. Adrian, (laughs) we had to reschedule because he broke his ankle or nearly broke his ankle. And then while still in a boot, in New York, he lives in Jersey, it was like a rainy night, he made his way up to my apartment, I choose my apartment, preferably because of the noise, but he came to me, and he didn't have to do that, he, he, I opened the door, and he was like, oh, I don't even know your name, I was like, alright, well, that was a leap of faith, um, an old school New York leap of faith, to just come to some random fucking guy's apartment, because uh, I asked on Instagram, so... Thankfully, I'm not a creep. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, Adrian doesn't pull that ladder up. Adrian seems to constantly be giving back to the people that are in a position that he was once in, always feeling the need to prove himself and climbing and scratching. And I think also part of what I admire about him is he's achieved a lot, but he also is always climbing and scratching to do better. Um, so I picked a great guest, and it's kind of came out that way in our conversation. Uh, the more and more he spoke about his family and growing up and all of this stuff, it uh, I kind of felt like he was talking a lot about things that have sort of happened to me or things that I really could understand well. So um, it was an awesome conversation. On his way out, he let me know that it was his first podcast ever. So I am honored and I really think I think right after we ended recording, I said to him, I feel like we could talk for another three hours. So I definitely think he'll be back for sure. I think all of my guests hopefully will want to be return guests because, uh, um, you know, it's a formatless conversation with zero agenda other than trying to f figure things out. That's really all it is. So um, sorry for rambling, but it's been a while. Just explaining the absence and um, I think next week we have a very special guest, my girlfriend, who has been asking for weeks to be on. And I have a feeling that she is going to eventually co-opt this podcast and become a co-host, which I'm not totally against because she's great and she's fucking hilarious. And uh, yeah, it should be a good one next week. But for now... Listen to Adrian and I talk about <clears throat> street art, life, uh, seeing, graphic design, um, everything. And I mean, that's why I'm here, to just talk about everything. So buckle up. It's a really fun episode. It's an interesting episode. And uh, yeah, I hope you like it. See you next time. Thank you. That's all right. I don't take good pictures anymore. All right, we're rolling, but... Um, okay. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, what were we talking about last? Police crossing the line. <laughs> um, yeah, so where do you want to start? What's, uh, Actually, yeah, let's... Oh, yeah, introduce me, I suppose, and then... Uh, no, 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 I don't have to do that. I'll do my own intro separately, uh, talking about who you are. But you mentioned something that I didn't know about, which was your history in typography and graphic design. And, I mean, anyone who's listening probably knows I'm a designer. Um and love typography so that would be a great place to start I'd love to hear about where you started oh so this uh, so my my whole thing is I had uh, my father was a graphic designer okay and he actually did the first corporate identity really in, in England hmm. for national buses which are like Greyhound buses and my two older brothers were graphic designers and the thing is, if you've got one older male that you've got to compete against, yeah. it's one thing. When you've got three over there in males, yeah. you're like... The you're dynasty like, to live up to, yeah. You've got no chance of you, really. Right. Yeah. So, so I remember, you know, this is, I suppose, late 60s, early 70s, and I'd go to my dad's studio and it'd be all letter set, and it was all really cool stuff. Mm. Cow, we'd have this cow gum, this, like, sticky petroleum jelly gum stuff, and... But then uh, he roped us as kids into a few photo shoots, you know, for some of his brands because we were like cheap 
she yeah, follow. Yeah, right. You know, so we'd be like pretending to play with chewing gum or whatever it was. And you go to this photographer's studio and it was like Austin Powers, you know, like the guy that he type Jack <laughs> and there's freaking models everywhere and like, and I'm like, okay, like one, you know, fluorescent strip lit office with a board on smelling glue and felt tips or <laughs> being a photographer. Hey, yeah. that looks, that was way more interesting. How old were you? Well, I mean, I grew up with him being a graphic designer, but then... Um, but at that moment when you were like, oh shit, this is cool. Well, I think uh, my... It was a fairly tumultuous household. I don't want to... Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it was coming to New York. It's kind of funny. There was this, I remember there was this waitress who's 21 and wanted to like have sex with me because she said, I love Manchester so much. I've got a mini. Uh, she was totally gorgeous. But I've never had sex with somebody from Manchester, and I love, just love Manchester. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fucking stupid thing is that? And it's like me listening to a rap song uh, or listening to Mike Tyson talking about Brownsville and thinking I know what it's like to yeah. live in Brownsville because I know the phrase, cap in my ass <laughs> or whatever. You know nothing, sleeping with me is not going to make you more connected to Manchester or whatever. So, yeah, you sort of, you realize, what did I off on that thing? I was, about her. So yeah, I... Well, you were saying about a tumultuous household, but then I asked oh, basically yes. how old you were when you... Basically, I mean, what, what point in your life were you at when you saw oh. that photography studio and it was like... Yeah, so my dad was an alcoholic oh. and uh, there was my loads of was. arguing in the family, there was loads of tension, mm -hmm. there was loads of, Fights. you know, everything going on. So one thing that I... You know, you... It's funny, I wear my granddad's ring and he was married for, you know, 60 years I'd go every Wednesday, he was like your perfect granddad. You'd go in the shed and tinker around with some mm -hmm. little thing. And you know, like it was like escapism into this Well, I'm sure their marriage wasn't perfect, but your grandparents are different, right? They're yeah. just there and nice. <laughs> and then, uh, so I always wanted to be like my granddad and not like my dad. Right. Cause he was like annoying, asshole, got divorced. And at the time you're 15, everything's black and white now. You know, I know, like my mom says, you know, you, you, your father was stolen from you from, by alcohol. Mm. You know, he wasn't like that. Yeah, the with complexities eventually reveal themselves and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> everything's black and white. Right, exactly. Which, yeah. you know, is true for every graphic designer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so my thing was like, and I think it's important to understand in life that the people you aspire to and the people you're repelled by are as significant as each other. Absolutely. Which you don't get when you're younger, right? No. But no. to be, you know, I, I was crap at, at chemistry, but I loved the chemistry teacher at school, mm. and I hated biology, the biology teacher, but I was great at it. And the chemistry teacher said, you're never gonna pass this. Yeah. And I did. And I failed biology because I never did any revision, but I thought, fuck you. Sorry, yeah. sorry Apple. Uh, but I thought, screw you. That's quite all right. To the uh, biology teacher, because I was 15 and it was more enjoyable to annoy the biology teacher. Right. And prove yeah. This is this spurious, ridiculous uh, reasons why you do or do some, do not do something. Yeah. So the fact is, that I remember literally, uh, I, I didn't do any art at school. And there was just a TV show that was about six different photographers in the eight, early 80s. And one of them was a guy called Andreas Feininger. Mm -hmm. And he trained as, a, as an architect in Germany, I think, and then moved to New York, ended up shooting for Time magazine. He built his own camera 
which is a 300 inch lens and he shot everything with this really long lens and he talked about perspective about how you know it shot on the Hudson so the boat and he'd shoot it from like two miles away so the boat would look as it should do which is a tiny size compared to the buildings Mm -hmm. so and he also did really amazing graphic uh, photographs of like seashells and things and literally when I saw that one guy I was like no I want to be a photographer (laughs) because I sort of realized I can uh, well I don't know if I realized in my conscious yeah in my subconscious it's like okay this is different enough from graphics to be interesting and but it's still very graphic Mm. so actually all my photography is very graphic it's interiors and whatever so I have this graphic design sensibility but the manifestation of it is photography whereas it could have been you know product design or whatever or fashion if it had done fashion everything would have been angular you know like it's Iñaki or something right 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 right, so I don't know it's it's just how I was wired to enjoy that kind of you know composition well that's I mean that is basically the definition I mean as a graphic designer who stayed a graphic designer that's the struggle that it's always been is combining image with type combining I mean what if I have an image that doesn't say anything to me doesn't tell me where to put the type or whatever I mean then I have to come up with another solution but even then the content of the photograph and the composition of the photograph is what it is so if I suddenly blow the page out and it's all white space and like Helvetica in the top left corner and your photo in the bottom right if it doesn't match it doesn't match it's like you know it's so it's interesting it's probably why you're finding you found success is that you have that eye already built in that yeah. design I already built in so I mean I'm finding that's a really important thing is that a lot of people don't don't think about I'm sure you can uh, you could, you would agree that like knowing what the what you want the final product to look like is so important like you can you can wing it and you can go by the seat of your pants and you should you should always be flexible for shit but I mean if you don't know where it's all going, yeah, it's you're fucked, and it's like it's it screws everyone up. So. No, and I, and I get so I've I've thought about composition and uh, you know what makes a pleasing image, mm-hmm. and all I can tell you is if you look at my images, not always, obviously I'm not you know perfect or whatever, but a line will go straight into a corner. Yeah, something will be dead level. That's huge. Something for, will I be have a friend that's like that too. Yeah. Now, it's not an OCD thing, but the way I see it is, it's funny because I have clients who go, well, it's nearly symmetrical. And I'm like, no, there's, it's symmetrical or it's not. There's not nearly. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I got a fortune cookie that said, uh, a half truth is a complete lie. Yes, absolutely. And it's literally, it's a not one nearly percent, true. A 1% lie is a, is a lie. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny, I got a... a, a a client posted a picture from another photographer and I was being a bit snarky but it was shot like a single plane thing right down the middle of this two joints so they said look it looks like two pictures stuck together and I said well it would do if like the top line wasn't quite mm. wasn't quite uh, was actually straight instead of that's not off that's an incredibly hard thing to to have to capture especially well, so the thing is that you will so our brain, when it looks at something, 
I believe it's like a computer, right? There's, mm -hmm. There are those glasses that can make the world upside down, mm -hmm. that you can put these glasses on, and in two days, your brain turns it upside down so you can walk around with those glasses on and it's like normal. And people have to understand that your eyes are part of your brain, they're not just your eyes. So when you look at something far away, you do the equivalent of a digital zoom and your brain removes information around it. So what you see in different colors are seen by different people, etc. Now, so if you see something where if you see a photograph where it's a shot of the sea, the ocean, and it's not quite level, your brain knows it's meant to be level because it's like there's a boat there and everything. And so it uses, I believe, some energy or calculations to tell you, oh, that's level. Yeah. It's not quite level, but I'll make it level in your head mm. uh, to, so that it looks that way. And so if you imagine there's that with focus, with exposure, with you know diagonals or whatever, it the more corrections your brain has to do is the more expenditure Tired. of brain power yeah. it has to put onto that image. So if it literally looks at an image and goes, oh wow, it's all balanced and straight and angular and this is it and that, that's straight and there's no weird reflections, I have to work out what that is. It kind of just goes, great, move on. Mm -hmm. And I give you a bit of a reward for like looking at something cool because exactly great. Yeah. And so that's why I think you and why an image is seen as more pleasing than not. So for instance, I don't know much about music, but we can all hear when a note is slightly off, right? Yeah. And and I believe that even if I've had people say, oh, you know, I can not so much now, but you know, when there were less photographers around. <laughs> <laughs> but people say, hey, I saw your picture uh, in a magazine, like I didn't have any credit. I'm like, how do you know that's my picture? And they're like, well, it has a style to it. That's and it, which just seems weird because you don't have a style like. It's, it's like when you listen to your own voice in this podcast and, right. I'll, and I'll go, hey, I sound like some choir boy. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that voice? You know, I thought I sounded like, you know, Dean Martin. What the hell? Um, That's so, a huge compliment, by the way. Well, Someone knowing that it's oh, a photograph without the credit. Yeah. But I mean, that's, all, that's, right. I think any, any design oriented person, I mean, that's what I strive to do with when I brand a company is that like, yeah. I want someone to see a corner of your logo and be like, oh, I know who that is. So, I mean, that's awesome. No, and it was, and if I've shown people like, you know, the assistants or whatever, and you talk them through things and, and I'll, sh or I've done talks where I'll show two pictures. There was, there was a client who wanted me to shoot an interior and show before and after. Mm -hmm. And I said, and how better it was before and after. So I said, okay, well, I'll shoot it, but I'll shoot it literally in a way where I can move two inches and the wall is kind of just overlapping slightly another one. And it's really discordant yeah. and annoying but you won't necessarily notice that it is so when I line it up on the other shot it'll look like it's shot from the same spot but everything will be like perfect there'll be no fire extinguisher peeking out from mm. a little bit around the corner or something so yeah it's kind of it's interesting to me that all those things subconsciously we notice so if I show somebody hey look here's the same picture with, a, with that line going into the corner or just slightly off yeah once you point it out, people oh, go, don't see it. oh, oh, I can see that now. Yeah. Well, actually, I think you can see it anyway, but yeah. it's oh, subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know about kerning, for instance, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure if I saw you know. well-kerned words on a page compared to ones that were just put together by me on Photoshop, the same sentence, 
I will look at it and find yours more pleasing, mm -hmm. not necessarily know exactly why or how, but it just is. Yeah. And that's our job as whether you're a musician or a painter or even the chef getting crispy fries or mm -hmm. whatever, is to get it where you just go, wow, this is just right. Yeah. And I don't even know why, and I don't need to know how and what kind of oil they used or temperature, but right, right, these right. fries are crispy. So I, I want to try and remember That's a long that. answer. No, 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 no. That's, I mean, but this is why this is so formatless is because but, you've made me think of two huge things. One of them was a book I read years ago called Crashing Through by uh, Robert Gerson. And it was about a man who uh, was, he was about three years old and he was playing in his shed and there was some kind of pesticide that had since been um, made illegal that blew up and got in his eyes and blinded him. So from three to the rest of his life, he was blind. Mm -hmm. Now, one, zero years old to three, you're getting a shitload of visual information. Mm -hmm. You don't realize it like you are um, so it just so happened with medical advances he was about 46 years old and they and he was he was also a very exceptional blind man I can't remember his name it was Michael something but he created like a GPS one of the first GPS systems called Sendero or something like that um, and it was actually designed to help blind people navigate better I mean he was like cool. already operating on a level above after losing his vision, it sort of, you know, like they say, it honed every other sense and his intellect sort of blossomed. So the story goes on to talk about how there was like a corneal replacement therapy surgery and he was a perfect candidate because he had vision and then he had lost vision and, um, you know, it wasn't like a macular degeneration thing. It was an, it was an environmental cause or whatever. So <clears throat> he's very, he's very kind of, torn he doesn't know because he's developed his whole life and he knows like i mean when you start to really think about it think about you're married you have children you have a dog <laughs> you have a house you don't know what any of it looks like mm. so the, the prospect of now knowing what everything looks like how much is that gonna jar your concept of your entire world your mm. wife i mean you, you don't even know if you're if, what, what if you wake up and you're like oh she's not my type yeah that that, that noise that homer simpson makes <laughs> just literally <laughs> just multiplied yeah yeah the room for the house coming off <laughs> yeah um so he went through with it he went through with it and he starts to um and his wife went through with plastic surgery yeah, at the same exactly time. right yeah, that that was i think that was one of the things that he was like i was relieved <laughs> when, I a saw, when i saw the she, outline of my wife he was like i was like that was the largest relief i ever felt he was, like, <laughs> he was, he was just like I, I my hands chose well he said because you know blind people usually touch to feel <clears throat> so um I, this story has like every i'm reading the story on my commute in and i'm flipping pages like waiting missing my train stop because the story has me so engrossed so he starts to get his vision back and it only goes back to like 45 percent and you could only see the bottom half of his wife <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> the more important half i guess whatever you want to say well he already had the kids so but, um, this is really going to go down well. With, uh, uh, you know, that's all right. I don't have a real PC I can't, I can't, podcast. I can't, I can't be canceled yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough followers to get canceled. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, it, it was it was a shocking thing, and he said he was he was so grateful, but he reached this roadblock in his vision, 
and it was like he said it was the most frustrating thing ever because he would get mad at himself and I mean this book dove into the kind of things that like if we're walking on a sidewalk and we go to turn a corner and there's a shadow of a building our brains don't trip out and think like oh fuck the sidewalk ended we just know there's less sun on that sidewalk so it's darker yeah he was having trouble with that he would see a sidewalk a shadow on a sidewalk and stop and go what what's going on right it's just a sidewalk just ends so he had all these problems with his vision and he was starting to get really frustrated and he went back to the doctors and they they couldn't find anything physically wrong with his vision so I forget exactly how it came to be but he found out that the problem was with his brain all of the visual processing that we do from the point that he lost his vision mm. to being 46 years old he lost it was missing so and no, yeah. he started being the person he was super intellectual he started to dive into how we see mm. with the science behind vision and one of the craziest things was when they talk about how we only use 10% of our brains for conscious thought and exploration and ideas or whatever you want to say. And a lot of it is for background processes and stuff like that. They think that vision is about 35%. takes about 35% of our total brain power to compute. And just the other day, someone posted a video of the, what Tesla, Tesla's autopilot sees. Mm -hmm. And all these calculations that it was making, and it had this little thing on the side that said wet road, and it was like, you know, 0.00, and then the decimal would go up. And I commented, I was like, fuck, we do all that and listen to music, talk to people in the car, a lot of assholes text and talk on the phone, people shave eat cereal like I've seen all kinds of shit people doing while they're driving but our brains are doing that this car is going 46 miles an hour oh they're speeding up I can see that they're speeding up and we know from being a child seeing a car speed up we know what that looks like and Mm -hmm. our brains automatically go back to 35 years ago the first time you saw a car speed away your brain registers oh that's a car accelerating away so yeah, so most of it is basically recognition of something. Yes, exactly. Not cognition. Right, exactly. It's recognition and then and then processing the context, I guess you would say, of it yeah. in, its, in its environment. Um, I read this story recently, and, uh, and it basically was talking about how quickly we can process a visual image. And they did these studies on Tinder, where you swipe these images, mm. and then basically... They would have like, you know, five really hot guys or hot women, and then they'd have like an ugly guy or not so attractive guy or woman. And people would still pick him because your brain was still registering, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm yeah. on hot people. And it didn't have time to say, hey, he's not hot. So you'd say yes anyway. Wow. And vice versa, if they're all ugly and then there's a really hot guy, your brain was still trying to catch up with those previous images because it was too quick. Right. Your finger was moving too quick. Yeah. So that's yeah, part yeah. of the modern world's issue. With I was graphic design and all these things where we did care in the past. I was just going to say. People did want to pay for that extra 25% of it being yeah. not just average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just going to say that feels, when you said that, that feels like such a modern fucking problem. Yeah. That are like, we're, we're just like, Bleh. and your brain is like, I'm one of the most advanced fucking computing systems ever to exist. And you've, you fooled me for like half a second. Yeah, and it's like a slot machine. That's why people get addicted to all that stuff, right? It just 
probably soaks up all your energy that you can't think about anything else. You're just processing that stuff. Yeah, right. I certainly am addicted. Oh, all that we can't. Not I mean, be, you know, especially on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I everyone in front of me was always ugly. That's my excuse. <laughs> Yeah, your, your algorithm was off. That's the problem. I was on Tinder for, I ended a relationship. I was on Tinder for maybe two weeks or whatever, and I, it was really uncomfortable feeling thing. Just it felt like Amazon for people. It was yeah. like, eh, I don't really. But, and then the amount of people that I hear a lot, the amount of people who are saying, you know, if you're under six feet tall, don't even bother messaging me. And it's like, yeah, that feeds into the problem of a lot of guys feeling inferior. And it's like, no, 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 no. The person that says anyone under six feet tall is out, that's the inferior person. Like, that's, it's a weird spell that social media and, like, the internet casts on us where we're always constantly reflecting inward mm-hmm. and comparing outward, and it's like, if you consider the source of... So one thing uh, that comes from having uh, uh, dominant brothers and father, mm-hmm. and also coming from Northern England, uh, it is that sense of inferiority. Yeah. That sense that, you, you know, my mum would always say, there's a difference between telling people what you do and showing off. My dad had a phrase, you got to learn to stand on your own two knees. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's pretty grim, right? Yeah, that's grim. I mean, my dad had some grim ones, but that's pretty, that's English grim. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember when I, uh, so 2003, I got my visa for, for a to come to America, and I got an O1 visa, which is like a, it's kind of a bullshit thing. It's the kind of thing they gave to Melania Trump. You know, it's like oh. artists and models, and well, you know, people just hey, but look at her. Adrian, she's gone on, far. Don't discount yourself. There goes your English inferiority. She's thing. living in a separate bedroom in the White House. She, yeah. She's done well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she. Uh, oh, sorry, I sorry. The title of it is Alien of Extraordinary Ability. That's literally the title. And um, so I called my mum and said, Mum, she's like 75, or 70, whatever. I said, Mum, I've been officially recognised by the US government as a photographer of ex- extraordinary ability. Wow. It's 2003. And she said, Adrian, that's the same country that thought there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. <laughs> So when she didn't even go for the war reference. She went for like the modern war. Oh reference. yeah, that's oh that's yeah. She's not good. stupid. She's no, like, no, no, no. so so yeah. When you've grown up with that, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse because yeah, I've never done books, exhibitions. I feel like I'm not an artist. I'm not these things. I'm not really talented. So all those things are quite good in a way because they drive you forward. Yes, right? yes. Because you've got something to prove. To these people that you know my dad's long since dead my granddad too mm-hmm. and all these things but it's something where you're just okay you're a nobody and you know some people will do that right where say if you're motivating a sports person you say i'm sure if my dad was around he'd say i said all that stuff to make you push yourself yeah like there's some kind of freaking management technique to <laughs> say you're shit prove me wrong which yeah. was which actually, without him saying it, you know, that whole chemistry teacher, biology teacher, was something where, you know, if you've got like a contrary personality or anti-establishment, you know, you kind of want to say, fuck you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I definitely have this thing where I don't feel valid or don't feel 
I mean, I'm not like egotist, whatever, obviously a bit, but I don't feel like I, I want this recognition in the canon of whatever right. field I'm in. Right. So I'm always, like I, I shoot for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get the front cover of the New York Times travel section, the last one of the decade. I've been a photographer for 32 years and I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. Like, like it is. you know, National Geographic above that, but like, that's one of the biggest achievements you could ever get. You know, I shot for Apple, you know, Steve yeah. Jobs at Apple. All of those things, and I literally would tell people, because they'd say you'd done a book or a show or whatever, and I always thought those were kind of self aggrandizing things, and anyone can make a show, right? Anyone mm-hmm. call yourself an artist or whatever, but I always thought, if you've got clients who could pick anyone in the world, and they're good clients, yeah, no one can really argue how good you are. Right. You know, right, absolutely. it's not because I'm Steve Jobs' brother. No, or, no, you know, whatever. absolutely. And even if they're serendipitous or whatever, however they come about, well, if I, they use you more than once, you must be okay. Yes, absolutely. So, so, you know, I don't feel insecure about what I do, but I certainly have felt and do feel dismissive of my talent or, I mean, we had that today, right, with that girl. And, you know, I, I get people who, for want of a better phrase, I inspire. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here now, right? Because mm-hmm. I inspire you in some way. Absolutely. And to me, that's way more uh, satisfying and rewarding to think you inspire somebody uh, than somebody saying, you know, you're a good artist. Yeah. Um, Shit. So, so yeah. So I, you know, and all this stuff all feeds in. And it's funny, my son, who we're not speaking at the moment because he's, you know, like me, 2.0. <laughs> and he's a graphic designer he's sorry he's a video editor because uh-huh. it's like photography right, like his right. dad but of course his not. dad is like you know yeah, yeah, has yeah. to be you know defied and you know do something yeah. so you could be separate right. he's standing on his own two knees yeah. you know <laughs> uh, so he has to prove himself right. and that's kind of a DNA thing which is great for me because A uh, people are like oh you know speak to your son I'm like he's going through his thing like I didn't speak to my dad for six years you know whatever so it's a DNA thing it's a repeat of everything like it's it's normal it's fine he'll go through it and mm-hmm. whatever I did a good job as a dad and right. he's fine and he's happy and so he'll go through his thing his own way but it's I, I have the same thing I mean I'm, it's it's it's, a, I, I, it's weird I have this serendipity happening with this podcast and thing because I, every guest I have I feel sort of a cosmic connection to in a certain way my father was the exact same way. Mm. I bought my first car myself. It was an old shitty uh, MR2 turbo Toyota <laughs> with like 100,000 miles on it. What asshole buys a turbo car with 100,000 miles on it? Pouring oil everywhere. It took me like 17 tries to get into first gear up to the driveway. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was all eager. I was like, I, you know, I'm handy. He was a carpenter. My brother was a, loved building cars, so I grew up wrenching on old muscle cars and shit. Mm. So I knew what to do. So, I mean, just a small story about it is I had a wheel bearing problem. So I jacked the car up, I took the wheel off, I took everything apart. I was just pulling everything off to take it to a machine shop to have them press out the bearing, press the new one in, reverse the process, we're all good. So I'm under the car and I'm doing everything. My dad comes out of the, out of the house and he walks by and he goes, better not fuck that car up <laughs> and gets in his car and leaves. And I was, I didn't even move because I was like, thanks, dad. Like, 
But I mean, come on. I mean, my, my oldest brother, granted, did a bunch of dumb shit like that and fucked <laughs> his car up. But, like, if you, I tell people all the time, if you meet my oldest brother, we are, you would not think we're from the same family. And that's funny how people have DNA, that's uh, IVF, and pick up a yeah. DNA from whatever. And I always say, look at your own siblings. The chance that it's going to be a violinist or a Nobel Prize exactly. winner, whatever. It's like, See how different you are from your brother and sister. Family is just the fucking club that you get <laughs> dropped into. You have no choices. I actually came up with a phrase that was said before, like, uh, when I was young. And I thought Buddha must have said this or somebody. It's an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. That God picks your friends and the devil picks your family. Absolutely. Because it's just yeah. 12 fucking random people yeah. that you have to deal with. It's your training. uncle Bob or your whatever. Yeah. Like, you, you know, different age, sex, personality, everything, opinion, strength, yeah. abuse, all that stuff. And I, so I thought that as a, as a kid, but it's interesting now that I, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a regretful person mm-hmm. anyway. And I, I mean, I went through a lot of stuff, you know, anger and stuff like when I was young, got my dad and stuff. But um, now I'm like, actually, what a fantastic thing that you have to learn to deal with people and yeah. live with people Absolutely. who are so different, especially in these times now where everything's so tribal and us versus them and mm-hmm. stuff. That you have to like, you know, learn to deal with Uncle Bob, and you have to, you know, my dad, you know, like I learned if he came back from the pub, you learn when to keep your mouth yeah. shut, yeah, and yeah, yeah. to sneak out of their house, I, like rather than confront somebody, like you know, if you if you grew up on chat rooms and you know whatever arguing with people on Twitter, and you meet somebody in a bar, you're gonna get the kick shit, yeah, shit yeah, kicked yeah. out of you, right? Right. And you go, hey, what, what, hey, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, what happened? What are you hearing me for? <laughs> well, you're saying all the shit you just said on Twitter. Right. You can't yeah, say yeah, that yeah. in real life. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, in the hospital with my oldest brother and our middle brother who passed away, I'll never forget. I walked up to my oldest brother. He was, you know, obviously our brother's dying. We're all in like bad mm-hmm. spirits. But he was sitting at the window and I walked over and I was like, I have to say, man, I don't like you don't really even love you but you trained me so well on how to deal with shitty people in this world <laughs> that I like I'm so grateful for right. I really am my first boss in this city was my brother but like not part of my family and signed my fucking paychecks and like told me when to come into work and told me what to do every day and it was my first job in the city so I was like yes sir yes sir yes sir okay sir for coffee okay but Every day, people would come up to me. I mean, almost everybody in the company, from like the CEO of the parent company to like random interns, how the fuck do you deal with David every day? And I'm like, I had an older brother that was just like him. So, conversely, you mentioned Obama. You imagine those two girls, whoever they marry, and you know, what their husbands have to live up to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I, I just had to be sober and I was a better dad than my, my mom. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's alcoholic, it's terrible. It's like, yeah. it's fucking easy to be a decent parent, just be sober. Yeah, that's and true. And you're ahead. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you got Neil Armstrong as a dad or whatever, and like, it's, I mean, he was a bit abusive or whatever, but, you know, somebody who's no, amazing. I get it. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's actually hard, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and it goes back to that whole family thing. Is like, I had a teacher at SBA who said he became a friend and a mentor and she remains just a great person in my life that I see once in a while but she had a she had a very stark view on everything and it was one of my first like post-adolescent oh shit someone's talking real Mm -hmm. and she said think about what a family is okay 
it's a tribe that you it's a club that you get brought into okay you don't pick where you live where you practice you don't mm-hmm. pick what you get to eat you don't pick what you get to speak you don't pick your name you don't pick where you are in the house or wherever you don't pick what you do until what 17 18 years some i mean some which is the biggest been... disruption in your whole life from going from right. one system to right you're off right absolutely yeah. um and all this stuff like you, you don't get to pick your your, your color mm. like what songs you sing what god you pray to what food you don't eat what stores you go to what yeah, car all you things drive. you inherited yeah. everything you don't yeah. get to pick any of this so that was one of the turning points in my life too when i was like okay so this isn't fair, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it applies to everyone. Everyone's the same. Right. But that's what I'm saying is, is like it's not fair. And I think when you realize that, you, you can start a little more cleanly with your life and and feeling like, okay, I can be who, who I am. This is just a weird fucking thing. It, this is like a weird thing that, like you say, you know, there are famous people. Jennifer Lopez, she has how many kids? I, I don't know who the fuck. But like, you know, Mick Jagger as Bianca Jagger and, you know, his, his, these dynasty families of people that, you know, my father was famous. And like you said, when you were talking about your father and your brothers, I was thinking of like the, the Mannings, the football players, mm-hmm. Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. If you're a fucking florist, like Jeff Manning, the last one, he's a florist in like Indiana. It's like, oh, way, way to keep the, the, the dynasty going, dude. You got four Super Bowl, you know, quarterbacks yeah. and like Jeff is the florist in Indiana. Well, you, like, you know, Trump, the Trump brother. Who was yeah, exactly. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. basically turned to drink and maybe was harangued by his whole family. Yeah, like, absolutely. And, and you're, you're a failure and whatever. Even what is his daughter, Tiffany? She's like, people are like, who? Yeah. I'm like, well, she's not Ivanka. You know, she's not... The package of Ivanka, she's not as good looking or whatever. Well, I think your family, uh, as much as uh, you know, we we, you know, you maybe you maybe had that. I certainly, my mum did make up for my dad, uh, you know, his behaviour and you know, being supportive and stuff. But also, you did, you did feel there's something weird. You you read this a lot, don't you? Where you, where we all either remember something or we read about other people where they go. Oh, my dad just had to like give me that knowing nod, like my granddad. Mm. You know, I either I invented or maybe he did, but we, we, you know, it was just this aura of support and love and being there for you mm. that maybe he wasn't as verbal as I thought. Of. Yeah, you know, but he was a contrast with my dad or whatever. Right. And actually, sometimes somebody can be super quiet like your dad and say that. And if you're in a different mood or whatever, mm-hmm. or you can you hear it the way you want to hear it, right? And yeah, you remember absolutely. it and regurgitate yeah, 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 it a million absolutely. times the way you want to to fit your view of the world when you're 15 or yeah, 20. The de- yeah, the decision I've made about who he is and who I am. I actually think uh, uh, that you become a man when you forgive your father for all the things you yes. think he did to you. Yep. Not the things he did to you, because you don't remember those. But the things that you, this case that you built against it. Yeah. Well, my father died when I was 20. So I was just coming out of that, I hate my father. Right. And I lost him. And I was like, shit, that, I mean, that sucks. But then you're absolutely right. As I've gotten older, I'm like, okay, I understand. Yeah. I mean, he was even older than I. My dad, 
was, uh, I don't know when he got married first, but he was married and he had four daughters. And his wife um, succumbed to early dementia. She was only 32 wow. years old. So he came home one day and she had cut all of the daughter's hair off with scissors. They were a mess. And my dad, I mean, characterized him as a no bullshit kind of guy. He was like, all right, fuck this. I hate to say it, but it was like, I think it was the 60s or maybe even the 50s at this point. He kicked her through a screen door and gathered up all of his kids because she had a knife and she had scissors and she was in danger. Mm-hmm. He kicked her through a door. This was the story we were told. Could be legend. Grabbed the kids and was like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You're going to a mental institution. You got to figure this shit out. I don't want my four daughters in trouble. Like, I mean, your primary thing is to protect your kids. Exactly. I, I mean, at that point, he, he had known that the switch had flipped in her that was mm-hmm. beyond her control. So, whatever. He met my mother. He was still married to this woman. She was in treatment. He met my mother. She was 19 years old. He was 33 when he met her. And fell in love with my mom. And it was like, all right, well, my mom's 19, and now she has four daughters. And then she had four more children (laughs) over the next 20 years. So um, I forget where I was going with that about, like, the what you were saying about forgiving people about yeah yeah, uh, forgiving people right he he was a tired dude I mean he he, I think he owed it to my mother to have children because she was a young woman when she committed to him and it was like no I already have four daughters like that's not really fair I guess you know if you if you want to have a family so they had my three older siblings and I was an accident that she lovingly brands as a surprise last one um but yeah the, just that that whole story so how do you feel about this. about being a an accident um so to speak because it is weird that you I, I literally went on this forum at some point there was there was dating and what her kids and you know whatever and she was talking about IVF and and I was like I came across this forum where people were children who are now adults of IVF and they were complaining because they were said, you know what, we were just a fucking accessory. You know, our parents decided, oh yeah, this, this, and this, and hey, we were meant to be this and grow up this way, and they just had us when we were forty, like they built, you know, picked a new kitchen, right? You know, right. Um, and it sounds a weird thing to sound ungrateful, but we just popped out, all of us. Yeah. We don't go through that just through some random sperm and egg, you know, liaison, right? We don't have to think about it, and it's kind of cool. It just seems part of like the cosmos or whatever, like not some guy with a you know pipette and an evaporating dish right yeah um as i mean biologically it's like i mean i'm glad that they went through with it and they had me but i i mean i hate to be dark (laughs) but the view i have of humanity is like we're we're kind of bad for the planet and the planet was really fucking beautiful Right. A long time before we got here. Like, uh, we went out to Grand Canyon a few years ago, and when I got there, I was like, oh, okay, now I see why a lot of people believe in God. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Like right? you, yeah. I mean, well, I'm surrounded by buildings, so it's like, oh, architect this guy made this building, and mm-hmm. Robert Moses, this highway, and blah, 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 blah. Everything here is somebody made it and chiseled it. Yeah. But all the shit that I see in nature that's incredible is like, okay, that's way beyond me. Mm-hmm. So, 
being an accident or a mistake sort of was like right in line with my like if there was like alright we need to get rid of like 50 million people I'd be like alright I'll go if it it meant like we're gonna have a lot more trees and the planet's gonna stay alive for another 150 years be like planet me eh you know I was in Mexico two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I bought a coconut and I had this plastic straw and I'm drinking out of this plastic straw and this you know 30 year old woman next to me said oh you got a plastic straw and I said well yeah I want to drink it she said well you can just you know lift it up and pour it in Mm -hmm. or get a reusable straw I said well but you know I'm kind of you know there's a lot more things to do with you know there's different plastic straws on the planet I understand you have to start somewhere and she said yeah I know but but, you know I don't know what when I have kids and their grandkids I don't know what would be around in the world you know and I never use any plastic straws and I recycle everything and everything all this and I said well you know the best way to save the planet wouldn't you kill yourself and she said what I said don't have any of those children and yeah. grandchildren yeah and take yourself out to be and honest. she said well yeah but I have like this need you know and I said yeah. hey you it's, have to decide right you know yes it's not use a plastic straw or have a child right these are two vastly yes different effects on the planet Absolutely. So I don't want to say you shouldn't have it, but you know, pontificating about me drinking out of a straw. Right. Uh, you know, I get it. You know, don't try and make me feel guilty. I'm not. You know. Right. I, I have metal straws too, but I'm not a fucking evangelist about it. Like I'm not. That's not going to say. Like me. George, you've seen the George Carlin sketch, right? Where oh yeah, he's one of my favorites. One he's of my like, absolute favorites. You know, save the planet. Like the arrogance that we're going to save the planet when it's been around four billion years yeah. and we've been around. Exactly. It's like a couple hundred. The planet thousand. isn't going anywhere. We are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's. We're just another dead end social experiment, whatever. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. This is all an experiment. And that goes back to the whole, like. So you, it. so it's interesting. You feel that way that you're. Uh, so I, I have two older brothers, Stuart and Simon, and my younger sister, Sally. And I was obviously, hey, whatever happened to Stephen? because <laughs> I can see a, a trend here and obviously it seems to me my mum says no it was just we just like the name Adrian and uh-huh. I always joke that I make the family into an ass uh, <laughs> but uh, but I'm like it seems obvious that like you were waiting for a girl because you stopped after my sister yeah and yeah, the two yeah, boys yeah, yeah. then me and then my sister yep. and then you stopped it doesn't take Einstein to Dude, work this that. This is crazy. That was my father's family. They had three boys and they had a girl and that was it. Right. And she was the fucking, the sun rose and set on Nancy. Yeah, so you were, yeah. I so, so. Crazy. That's crazy. My mum went like hill walking or something before I was born and had like a miscarriage and then got pregnant with me like two months later. So, A, that's number one, weird. Because mm-hmm. if that miscarriage hadn't happened, Right. I doubt it about sex two months after I had given birth. Right, 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 right. And then secondly, I was born on uh, June 21st, which is the summer equinox, you know, with uh, mm. Stonehenge and everything. And I remember there used to be this show by Roald Dahl called Tales of the Unexpected, a bit like the Twilight Zone. And it was, I remember watching it. Sh- wait. You remember this show? And it was like, dee, 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 dee. This sounds great. It was really cool. A TV show based on... Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl? Oh, I gotta look that and up. And they're that all like awesome. quirky stories. Yeah. Like, you I know... I loved his shit. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, his, and his imagination so right? fucking weird and creepy, but fun and like, cool. Yeah. So, so one of them, I should look it up. 
and it's about this this kid who's born on the 21st of June that they stab in a certain way and this devil comes out of him and I'm eight watching this thing <laughs> knowing that I've freaking already killed the fetus oh to get here wow. then I'm born on this freaking day and then old wow. Dahl's telling me like and I'm like looking at my chest <laughs> like alien like fuck but as I got older this weird shape where chest hair never yeah. grew for some reason this is a reason why as a kid I like you know, lying in front of the coal fire for like 12 hours a day doing nothing is because I'm obviously That's from funny. hell. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's weird because I also, I, I, even though I've said before, I don't feel worthy and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel how I ended up being me and how I ended up in this part of uh, my family and being given a different name. Yeah. I was always the outsider. Yeah. So I, I to be different is one thing, but also I felt I was cast to be different. Right, right. So, you know, I've emigrated, I've got a different name. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a different, you know, job. Uh, well, I see that in you too. I mean, you have your photography business and then the street art and it's such a different juxtaposition. Right, so that and outsider you, thing, you then becomes like a badge of honor. Yeah. You go, hey, I'm fucking, I did it. You know, like my son being a video editor, I remember, when he was like 16, I said, oh, there's this place down this old fire station and, you know, I just photographed it and they have this video thing. And he literally said to me, nah, I don't want to go because if I ever win an Oscar, I know you'll just sit around watching it on telly and say, see, I, 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 got, I did that. I got him his first video editing experience. That's my Oscar. <laughs> That's great. It's funny, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, I, I have this, uh, understanding now that enough people more people have told me i i'm unusual <laughs> <laughs> than have told me i'm an artist so right. and there's enough like crazy unusual things that have happened to me mm -hmm. that you know not that i'm a messiah or something like that but the, the things that just don't add up some right. serendipitous things right, or right, right. some things that you just go like it was funny because I thought oh, I'll do a Wikipedia page, you know, on me, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously I have an ego, I'm trying to, you know, but no, I thought, oh, I'll do a Wikipedia page. How was it? Because I opened my store, I opened this free store and everything, you gave everything away or whatever. And my friend said, oh, I'll do a Wikipedia page on it. And Wikipedia threw it off because he said, oh, it's a business, but it was a free art yeah. thing, which is weird. And there's loads of other businesses on it anyway, Apple's on it, you know, right, whatever. Right, of course. Um, so I think at that point I was like, oh, well, if, if I do a thing about what I did, I'll put it down and then, you know, I can link the store to that. So I wrote it all down and you have to put citations <laughs> for everything. You know, so I did an album cover for James. I was the first computer and graphic artist in this first ever show in 1985, sponsored by Fuji. You know, did all this stuff, shop for Apple, blah, 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 mm -hmm. Victoria's Secret. You know, did all these talks, keynotes, prizes for doing whatever. Uh, wrote it all down and it got rejected for peacocking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it's at that point where you realize oh my how much stuff oh. you've done. Yeah. If you actually write it down. It's. Yeah, even I would wrote it down and go, bug, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's fucking crazy. You know, like doing the cover of the New York Times. Right. Yeah, it yeah, surprises yeah. me. Yeah. Whereas you would think, 
Oh, he's just showing off saying he has a front cover of the New York Times. It's probably a little advert in the corner or something, or right, right. something online, yeah. not really on the paper. And and so it, it got thrown off for peacocking. And <laughs> that's funny. And and I understand now that all the stuff that I've done that has happened to me that I've, you know whatever that isn't necessarily my generation of it. I I've not made it happen. Right. It's just happened to me. Right, right, right. Um, is crazy. Like it, that, it, yeah. it, it astounds me that that amount of stuff's happened to me. Um, so, you know, I, I've tried, and, and people, you know, they call me a wizard or whatever, that, oh, you think of something, you make it happen and everything, which I think is a topic you should cover about, especially in New York, you know, yeah. about how people don't do things anymore. You know, they just observe things or it's not a participation sport well, life this is anymore. Part of, this is part of it too, like doing this because it's, I, I, I either come to you or you'll come to me, but I mean, it's, I feel like even like we were saying before, we have to fucking take the city back a little bit because it's, yeah. it's, it, part of it is going away. Like the, the, the goodness of it is going away. The community, the, the people that come here and do shit. And uh, part of the problem is some of the people are coming here and doing bullshit, you know? Well, again, um, you know, my, deriding what I do I think the stuff I do like we did this shovel thing you know planted all these shovels and it didn't really take off and whatever which is fine but still you know we did it and it had all these different meanings of gentrification and mm-hmm. whatever and you know, all this stuff now people are amazed that I did that and they think oh I'm amazing because I do this project or make open this gallery or whatever it is mm-hmm. but the fact is 30 years ago there was tens of thousands of people doing that but way better and <laughs> with more talent than right, me right, right, right it's just that because it's all been suppressed because now actually if you go and do a protest against the mta or whatever and burger king see you somebody jumped over a turnstile in that protest they'll probably fire you yeah because it's reflecting bad on that yes. company so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that behavior is policed by corporations right not, not the police everyone is a representative Right, and if you can just share a video of people jumping over a turnstile, it's better because you can support it, put your hashtag on. Yeah. But you're not putting yourself at risk. Right. So you, it's easier to have it's that uh, repeat something off, take a picture next to something of some where somebody else has done the risk and the hard work. It's like protest by proxy almost. You yeah. Just have this. Yeah, what they call it uh, appropriation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're appropriating else somebody else's hard work, really, yeah. to make yourself look cooler. Or you know, uh, it, you know, uh, the, you're aligning to some political thing or whatever. You know, you just regurgitate a meme or you know repeat something. So, but it's hard because that stuff it tends to sell. I mean, and it's well, I've done a lot of memes and actually. So one thing I've I've done, I I I have like the three perfect things for street art and for working out because I always say I'm more of an advertising agency than I am like an artist so it's about communication Mm -hmm. which comes from graphics like you with your lettering and layout etc it's an advert uh, or or a promotional thing so the three things that are good for me are even though I've avoided graphics all my life I have the biggest collection of vintage typography from the textile industry I was a guest speaker at Typecom (laughs) go <laughs> uh, figure uh, uh, and just yeah, anyway all, all that kind of stuff uh, I have a graphic sensibility so when I do something 
I know how to lay it out where yeah. it's easy to read and I know what people care about and who don't. Right. I just did a Bowie tribute on the Broadway Lafayette station. Yeah, I saw that. And if you notice, I did it's the B, D, F, and M mm-hmm. and the six. So I changed it so it read Bowie four. Right. But I didn't use a W, I, I used an M upside down. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like I'm no graphic right. designer and I enjoy just the fun. Yeah, I'm not exactly. doing the obvious with a Bowie, right? But I use the M upside down because um, it's not a W. Then I can I'm a photographer, so I can take a good picture of it. So I take a picture with a yellow cab in the background because then it accentuates this New York, right? So and then, well, before all that, I'm 55. I'm white, so I don't get arrested. People don't assume I've got all this wisdom from 55 years, mm-hmm. like everyone has after 55 years. I.e., I'm not 20, right? Um, and I can use all those jokes and funny things that you've accumulated in your brain for 55 years to make that original idea work. So I'm kind of like, I've got all those going for me, mm-hmm. which is like a perfect combination for the kind of street art I do. Right. I can't Absolutely. do a, you know, a fancy mural of a face or, right, right, you, right, know, right. A, you know, a photorealistic airbrush mural, but I can do something where, you know, I'm the guy that went to Aretha Franklin station and did Absolutely. all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on one side of the platform, I put this sign saying, I knew you were waiting. And she was in a hospice. Mm-hmm. George Michael had already died. Yeah. It's a duet they did. It's a subway platform. I fucking love that. It's one of my favorite ever pieces. Yeah. I knew you were waiting on a subway platform on Franklin Street, Aretha Franklin it's, Street. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. Absolutely. On the other side, I put respect. Mm-hmm. Which one goes viral? Because like you say, everyone wants just a swipe. Yeah. No one wants to think, hey, was that song? Who did she sing it with? Whatever. Yeah. Oh, I don't get that. But you go respect. Oh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It's like a three-syllable sure. yeah. viral thing, right? Right, yeah. So I understand what works, what doesn't. And right. then you go, okay, well, and that is communication. And that's graphics. And that's, that's kind of that's, this mixture that's all come together. Do you think, though, being, and I, I never mean anything by but people 55 years old are not traditionally like amenable to that kind of adopting that kind of idea that like oh okay well everything's bite size now so now I have to basically form everything into bite size I've worked with a lot of people who will come in 65 year old people whatever 55 year old people will come in and curse the same computer every single day and it's like you've worked at this office for five years it's like at some point when you're playing a video game and you fucking lose to the boss a hundred times, maybe I got to climb up to the cliff and jump from the top, you know? Like, oh, maybe I have to figure out print, 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 preview, print, print, whatever. So it's interesting. And I mean, I think, again, part of what- Those people, if they were a cold face every day, they go, fucking shovel gets on my nerves. Yeah, exactly. Or if they were in a hospital, well, okay, they go, so fucking syringe boxes make, are really annoying. You make a great fucking point that that is an eternally human thing. You're absolutely right. Especially when I'm salary. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. There are bosses <laughs> to complain to. Yes, totally. But I think, I mean, one of the things that, again, I feel like kindred with you is that constant, like, I'm not good, not, not in a bad way. No, it's kind of you understand that line, part, like, I think I one of my first podcasts when I wrote down my little monologue, I said there's a very fine line between thinking everything you do is garbage and always knowing you could be doing better. 
Yeah. It's like dancing that like, no, no, you're not fucking worthless. It's just a failure as as a seesaw balance to like your success. It's yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's like the 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 difference between as, aspiring and having greed, right? Yes. So if there's absolutely. somebody, you know, there's some graphic designers or photographers or or street artists or you know in every field, where they've got OCD, they'll never be happy and never be content with whatever happens mm-hmm. because there's something something wrong with it. And that, that's a torture, right? Yeah, but absolutely. To, to aspire to make something better and realize, okay, this has reached a point where I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It always could be better. And, and I understand that's what's my drive in life is aspiration to improve. Then that's, that, that's like a, that's a perfect balance to me. Yeah, I think maybe even just- It's like a Buddhist thing, isn't it? Where, you, where you're like, you, you've got a contentment with something. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, even you talking about it, it seems like it's the idea in my head is clicking that it's like, that's the gift part of it. The curse is always wanting to do better, but the gift part of it is being okay with letting something not be perfect for now. Yeah. Like, just accepting and being like, okay, this has its life of its own. It is its version. Down the road, maybe I'll try something new with it or like revisit it or improve. So know? in a bigger sense, I'm a, a fatalist. So I don't, I'm not religious. Right. Uh, I always say I'm the same religion as God. <laughs> he hasn't got anyone to believe in right. either. So he must be an atheist. I gotta be, I gotta be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not God. No, but, no, but, but I mean, you know what I mean. But like you the can't concept of like, yeah, I gotta be my own dad. <laughs> yeah. But he's got no one above him or whatever. <clears throat> right. Like before him. So he must be an atheist, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, basically there's a strange human idea that we want to feel valid. We want to feel like we did something important in life. You know, most creatures, the only reason they're around is to stay alive and reproduce. Yep. But we have to add this Aside. whole layer of what's yeah. important while we're alive. And right. uh, who we reproduce has to be better than us. And it's something, you know, responsible. And we have this consciousness, which means we have to feel we're part of some big cosmos and right. some giant reason why we're here rather than just got like every other organisms yeah, just, 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 just mate, kill, feed, repeat, right. mate, kill, feed, like just that. So I don't, I feel it was like a big liberation to realize that, that, you know, when you're young, you feel like, okay, my life is, you know, you're born in New York, you die in Boston and you spend 75 years, mm-hmm. you know, driving this route and you want to drive a Ferrari and you want to go this fast and you want to go this direction. You want to mm-hmm. marry this and do that and make this money and whatever that's what is when you're young but when you do as you get older you realize not only you haven't got a fucking ferrari not only you know you're going via fucking washington to boston yeah, yeah. <laughs> you actually go actually it's pretty fucking good washington yeah and and actually you know and me as i am now like to let go of the steering wheel and actually just be a passenger and get an uber rather than try and drive mm-hmm. i enjoy the ride more right uh so yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether that's just being old or whatever, but I don't feel, you know, now I've got a bitterness about things not going the way I wanted, mm-hmm. and really that story opened was really, I always say it was just it was just all these coffee grounds of all different experiences that were either mine or you know whatever, that just filtered into this liquid. Right. There's a nice, nice liquid at the end of it. Right. And so, I I, I have this. Thing where it's just and it's good because you absolve yourself of any hey look again 
through my uh, insecurity, I don't have to say, oh, wow, I came up with this. I can say, mm-hmm. like this podcast now, it came up randomly. There's another guy here that we met randomly and became friends. And it's just, you know, if I could analyze that, go, well, I did something good, so I deserve it because <laughs> of karma. Or, you right. know, I, whatever, this is, I did this, so I've analyzed it. If I do that again, I'll get more friends like these people or whatever. That's not how freaking life works. It's yeah, random. I'm, I'm, so I'm quite happy to just, when I do my street graffiti paint, because I couldn't get arrested again because mm-hmm. I was going for citizenship, mm-hmm. but you can write on trash. Oh, yeah. Legally. Oh, shit. I never realized yeah, that. Yeah, you can't get arrested. That's probably, and you know what? I think that trash is technically city property when it's out there. Technically, but, technically it's Technically, not, but it's still the owners. They, okay. Because actually, if you threw away, uh, you know, um, there's some weird rules with that. But out, I, I, out of here, you would get fined, right? Just because you put it on the street. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know there's weird rules with that, but I mean, that's yeah. So a hell of a fucking loophole to find, which is cool. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And also, you couldn't get arrested for just hanging something up if you didn't stick it up. So I would hang these picture frames up. Uh, I mean, I I can admit it now, but when Trump was a year in power, I went down to the bull and hung a big picture frame. The Trump's face oh. on the ass of the bull. Nice. And said one year of bullshit. Nice. Um, but um, it technically wasn't illegal, although right. I did have my that taken down by anti-terrorist police, which did seem that's cool, like a cover of a New York Times that, credibility yeah, that, story. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. I didn't just get it buffed off. The that's some clout. Terrorist that's, police yeah, took off my JTTF on the back. <laughs> that's fucking cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> So the cool thing is, when I if I walk down the street and I literally, in my, you know, I have a black and white spray can, I have a black and white sharp fat sharpie, uh-huh. and I walk down the street, especially you know weekends and stuff, and you'll see all these objects, and within a few seconds you've got to come up with it. Right. What I call a dad joke or a pun, mm-hmm. and people now call art because yeah. it's on the street in right, New York. Because it's spray painted. It's on not mattress, saying right? a silly joke in your rocking chair to your right, kid. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so Did yeah. you do you know the Instagram page that's I gotta remember what it is. I'll send it to you as soon as I know. But it's like a curbed. Uh, it's like a crowdsourcing page where they'll they'll post uh, cool garbage. Oh You're yeah. Like oh, somewhere near NYU is throwing out like a brand new IKEA. Oh, that's dresser. a good idea. I'll send it to you. I know one of my friends posts, and he's constantly like, "Oh, go you know go find this to his friends that are yeah. like I, I know a lot of BMX kids and they're." scrappy resourceful motherfuckers so like if yeah. you have an apartment they'll travel to like the lower east side to get a cabinet or whatever yeah, so cool. i'll send you on instagram because they'll post it and they'll give you the address and mm-hmm. you're all over the place so you'll be able to yeah well i'll tag on it by the time they get there and they'll go what the fuck well either way i mean you could be a little <laughs> no there was this little sideboard thing it was like like it was like a like a little side table and you opened it up mm-hmm. and had like a little shelf a little thing so you, you opened up these two flaps and closed it and um, so on the outside I, I wrote open this and then on the inside I, I wrote shut the fuck up uh, <laughs> it was one of my favorite pieces that's now, great I, I never planned that right I didn't right. know that was there those words didn't come out of my mouth uh-huh. it's kind of a dad joke it's oh, shut the fuck up whatever uh, it's not offensive to kids because they don't see it until you open it right um, so those things as I say, because I know how to write it, I know how to take a picture, and I have got a mind where after 55 years I can practice puns and bad right. dad jokes or whatever, because I am a dad. 
20 seconds or so. Yeah, and it's a challenge to like, so, but also, it's you, what I love about street art, really, is it's you and the universe, so to speak. So even when I, I've, I've done some really complex, like the, the, the uh, Aretha Franklin Street. Yeah. She went in a hospice. I'd already came up with this idea of, you know those yellow strips where it says, see something, say something, mm-hmm. on the steps of the MTA. Mm-hmm. I'd already come up with this idea of a yellow strip that says, create something, to put under that, to try and, you know, whatever, which is my thing. So I thought, oh right, I'll, I'll make all these phrases, because she was dying, and it said, say a little prayer for Aretha. Aretha makes me feel like a wonderful woman, whatever, all these different things. Got a friend to write on the uh, thing. So it said, Aretha Franklin Street, did the strips. But literally the day before, I didn't have to go with a tape measure, measure all the rises of the stairs. I have to measure the tile height. Wow. Measure the tile, you know, usually four and a half inches high. Yeah, yeah, Do all yeah. that, get the tape, go to Michael's, get the get the you know I just get sticky letters because it's close enough right um, and then go work out where the cameras are get on at Spring Street instead of you know whatever you get off the train you work out all oh, right there's a door there that that's the the door that the the break rooms at the subway station I can't do the, mm-hmm. the spec sign there they'll right. rip it off too quick you also do it at three o'clock in the afternoon because the one uh, the one train um, uh, Franklin Street, super quiet, Tribeca thing. So you want to do it at rush hour so people will see it before it gets peeled off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those things, you plan on doing. Damn. And then, you you know, you do that. You do ones on one side. Somebody's with you to spot and also take a picture. Then you go around to the other side, listen for the train coming, come down, do the ones on the stairs, wow, do the one on man. the wall, get on that train and then go back north. That's awesome. All that stuff. No one ever sees it. No. Right? No, they just see this thing, and it doesn't have a name on, which is great because I'm a skinny white guy, not a, you know. This is a podcast exclusive. Just getting <laughs> a, a background of how you how you work. It's so that kind of awesome. stuff is really really cool, and that's yeah. a reaction. So when I see the sideboard that says "shut the fuck up," I've got like twenty seconds, right? Yeah. And there's just me and a sharpie. But if I hear, "Oh, Aretha Franklin's dying," and you know she's an amazing woman and the rest of it. I've got that time to do it, but then I've also got to rush because I've got all this other yeah. organizational stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, that's what's great. And literally, if somebody's coming and you have to tape it somewhere else or, you know, somebody, you know, it's not sticking on because mm-hmm. I, I literally just, I painted on this dam where my mum lives. There's this dam that was going to break this summer mm-hmm. and it was overflowing. And, you know, it's a whole thing and you know, the whole village is going to get washed away or whatever. So I went back and they managed to save it. They put all these sandbags in and everything. So I had this idea, it's near Manchester, to write, this is our wonder wall on it. Oh, yeah. It's funny. As you start describing it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So I go back, I do it, plan it all out. My friend made me this roller tray that was had a riser on it, so it, oh, you could so put it, it on level? a thirty-five Fuck. degree yeah. wall. That so it was that's level. That's the cool part about street art. Got like a twelve-inch roller. Shit. Yeah. So it's all you know, all the little things that you know right. from experience. Yeah. Right. I have to think of this, this, and this. Where to go? You know, you can't it's use like light. An engineering. It's almost like engineering. This, this. Thing. Yeah. You have to consider everything. But what I didn't consider was that I got to the R of Underwall and I'm rolling it, and it's literally frosty night. 
Oh. I had to do it on this one night because there's six days of rain ahead and I'm right. visiting my mum. Right. And my mum that night, you know, I said, oh, I'm just going to go out for a beer with my friend. And she said, it's a bit unlike you not to go out with any paint. And I was like, no, oh, no, wow. you like this. And she had no idea. Jeez, that's funny, man. And I came back covered in paint. She's like, Adrian, what do you do? And, oh, I, was, and I said, oh, painted the dam. She's like, shook her head, you know. Like, <laughs> and then in the morning, because I jet lag, I didn't go up till 10.30. She was so excited. It's all over. It's all over Facebook. Everyone's so happy with that thing. Wow, like, yeah, so cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm painting it. And the one, I got to the R of Wonderwall. And, you know, rolling it with a stick and these tubs of paint, whatever, you know, each letter was... I was going to say, was probably. 27 feet high, each letter. Jesus Christ. 12 inches, the thing, and then... Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. trying to keep that, you know, you're doing letters that you're trying to... This is what I mean, it makes me laugh. My fucking dad, graphic designer. Right. Oh, yeah, I'll never be a graphic designer. Yeah, I, I have to work out the kerning, the angle. I have to do an R, you know, the R of that, looking... 20 just feet at, down. Yeah, just add a giant... I mean, in it's the, like drawing this, trying to make this rug a letter. It's right. like, no, man. In it's the just dark, a big square. In a slippy, <laughs> frosty, damn wall. Oh, wow, man. And getting that angle. And, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm happy, actually, because people don't... If anyone ever looks at it and says, hey, the kerning's wrong, whatever, it's like, get over it, go fuck yourself. No, yeah, you know, whatever. So I get to the R, and I'm rolling it, and the spindle in the roller oh, breaks. no. This is 11 o'clock at night, there's no stores open. And that's the one thing you didn't think of, right? And so An literally, for the rest of the whole thing, uh-huh. I had to just go on my knees, on the thing, put the roller in wet paint, By into the paint, and, like, drag, and it? drag it Jesus to do the whole thing. Because wow. like, what am I going to do? I'm going to give up as it is. Yeah. So it's going to say you are, you are our wonder, but now, wonder. It's, <laughs> but now <laughs> it says... Uh, uh, our Wonderwall because I'm like I can't fucking do your hour yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm done my legs were like do it so wow, so those things it's it's like anything you do where it's a hard you know to get the result is a harder thing it's more satisfying right yeah absolutely I have two kids one's way easier to raise than the other uh-huh. and even though I'm not speaking to him it was way more satisfying that he's turned out okay and he's got a happy life because it was a lot of hard work and so so I kind of like the fact that these things happen mm-hmm. when you're doing street art because it's not just a human being on his own doing things. It's yeah. the world does stuff yeah. and you have to adapt to that. And that's kind of the, you don't want things to go wrong. Right. But, but they're kind of cool when they're doing, you, you don't just go, oh, I'm not doing it anymore then. It's not yeah. right. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. just get over it. There's a scene in a movie, uh, it was like a classic movie that my brother introduced me to. It's called PCU. It's kind of funny that it was made in like the early 90s. It was like David Spade, John Favreau, uh, Jeremy Piven, Jeremy Piven. So big names, but in 1991 or 92 before they were at the level. And there's this one scene, it's it's called PCU. It's Portchester University, but it's a very, very PC university. That's the, the double entendre. So there's these stoner kids and they decide like, oh, our frat house is gonna get closed. So we need to throw a giant concert. So they get these two stoner kids. They're like, here, here's 500 posters. There's 500 nails. Here's two hammers. Go. So they go out, and the second poster they go and put up, they put it into a tree, and then the nail breaks. And they're like, dude, this is hard. Let's give up. (laughs) (laughs) And that was their last scene in the movie. And I never forget, like, don't be that guy. Don't ever be that guy who's like, shit, man. I stubbed my toe. So I'm going to call out of work. This is what I'm saying about... 
I'm, I'm a nobody doing a nothing thing compared to what was done before, which is what made New York amazing, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I first came here, cycling down like Ninth Avenue in Chelsea, and there was this like six foot two gorgeous black woman with this like pencil dress, high heels, and I was just like, fuck, she's so hot. And cycling, you know, slowed down and then looked at her face and it was a guy in a beard. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to look like a fucking smoking hot woman in that dress, but you also like beards. Yeah, right. Like, How I, could you poke a hole in that? That's just that like, fuck. Yeah, man. That's just fucking, do it. that's it. Right. And yeah. that's what New York is about. Yes. I always remembered that. Like, like it, you're meant to come here. You know, I've been, you know, I live in New Jersey, so I go up the Helix and I see it. And literally, I sometimes go, wow, I added this little oik from Manchester from a nobody thing. I'm not from a rich family, whatever, mm-hmm. from a, okay, let's, let's harp on this, you know, like, I'm from a divorced family, alcoholic. It's good but, that people hear it. But basically, I made this little, an oik nobody from nowhere that saw that guy, that funnily enough, be became you know he photographed architecture in new york as a graphic designer mm-hmm. and i became yeah not even thinking ever of going to new york i became an architectural photographer in new york what the fuck like who could line that up that's nuts yeah. right yeah that's crazy so so all these things you you look at it and you go and all these people i would say i get more credit from just doing things like that, being the guy in the dress with the beard mm-hmm. because it inspires people yeah and and actually I think that's that's the most important takeaway to not listen to others. Yeah. Huge. You know, not do assholey things, but you know, as long as you've got your own sense of values and dignity and, you know, beliefs. You know, if you've got if you whatever, if you're upset with the cops, if you're upset with white people, if you're upset with women and Harvey Weinstein, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's good because people are encouraged, thanks to Trump actually. Yeah. There's more protests and everything. Yeah. It's weird because obviously people are still more oppressed and scared of what your employer feels. So it's like, but yeah, there's there's this we're finding our balance tribalism s- and all that. S- yeah, exactly. Eventually, yeah. But I, I feel like in creativity, there's definitely it's lagged behind politics in terms of what people feel they could they can do. You know, it's about how many Instagram likes you get and how. Yeah comfortable you are how many you could sell something or get you know representation or whatever right so I feel it would be really nice if people feel one of the things in my store and I, and I sometimes would get invited to events and I'd give talks and stuff and I would always say to people which I'll ask you now well it's obvious what it is what's your hobby <laughs> so people would say ordering seamless no that's not a fucking hobby that's getting dinner that's fair it's sad, but it's New York, right? And I get it, you know, like, and, and all right, oh, I do a jewel. I've got this jewelry line that I want to launch. Well, it's not a fucking hobby. You're trying right. to do it as a business. To, yeah. My hobby is trying to figure the world out and more hobbies. Right. Like, those are my hobbies. So those things, <laughs> I got interviewed when I went out my store, uh, which won International Store of the Year. Mm-hmm. I got invited to the last two... Uh, to be the keynote speaker twice at the International Retail Design. Right, I remember that. Or whatever, twice. Uh, and I got interviewed by the Wharton School. And uh, the ex-CEO of LVMH USA was interviewing me. And she said, so Adrian, you opened this store in the Lower East Side for 10 months, and uh, but how, you didn't sell anything. How's that, uh, how's that a viable business model? 
So I said, well, Pauline, um, number one, how much did Uber make last year? Because <laughs> I think, you know, several billion dollars they lost. Right. Or Macy's. Yeah. I think Macy's would be pretty happy with my figures. Absolutely. <laughs> how much did you invest? How yeah. Much? <laughs> uh, and I said, the other thing is, you know, my son didn't go to college. So I spoke to him and said, hey, well, I get your college money, right? You know, you're doing video editing, it's some money for equipment, but the rest of it, I'm going to keep that 40 grand and I'm going to open a shop. And <laughs> yeah. he was like, yeah, yeah, why not? Good deal. Like, and my landlord, instead of being seven grand, he said, I like the idea. Mm. He only charged me three and a half grand. Wow. And then after three months, he said, this store's amazing. I'm going to drop it to 27.50. Wow. For a basement store, garden and roof. It's happening. It's just, it's just things. Crazy, happen. right? Yeah. So, all, you know, even a landlord, a hardened landlord, who yeah. enough had gone to jail for trying to kill one of Fuck, his tenants. Man, that's like dis- disproving everything that's bad about New York, right? Right. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So, well, so I said, okay, the reason why it's a good business model is this. I said, any normal person throughout history has wanted to earn money so they can spend it outside of work uh-huh. on something, whether it's raising a family, building a yacht, gardening, taking a vacation, buying a Harley Davidson, whatever it is, right. that's that's why you, you earn money to go somewhere nice on your two weeks vacation and pay your mortgage. And that's not the same anymore, right? Right. People just work for work and work never stops. As soon as you live, leave, you know, and really your your money is meant to be all saved away so some random 19-year-old can spoon feed you rice pudding <laughs> in some home because you everyone's divorced you because you're so fucking exactly. stressed with work yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a, that's number one. Uh, I, to do this store, worked harder, promoted my business more, so I could earn more money to pay for this store. Mm-hmm. So that makes me a better businessman. Secondly, all the people that came in were really interested and did really creative things. I'm a creative person. Right. That inspired me, listening to their stories or what they did visually was like, oh, that's cool, I've never thought of that. So it increases my creativity. And thirdly, there's about a thousand people who all think I'm a nice guy. Yeah. That's a pretty good network. It's better than LinkedIn or freaking Facebook or it's whatever. It's also better than selling shit. So, yeah, they all think I'm a nice guy because I'm genuine and I'm not trying to trick them out of right. money or it's not false, it's not a pretend brand or right. whatever. Right. So you tell me what's a bad business model. All to me, those are really three things that, to be honest with you, all those things led to me being given free spaces to feel more confident to do more things it's led to more opportunities where i mean it led to the landlord yeah the landlord even realizing okay i don't need this extra premium i'm charging yeah like so i mean you not to like oversell it but just that in a weird way like broke the economy yeah (laughs) yeah you know to have some oh i'm gonna charge you less when the fuck does that happen right never so that's amazing, man. I mean, so the, really... So those things, you know, if, if there's anything that... And I feel that I did that, you know, my idea of doing that kind of came from... I was dating this woman and she was super posh and everything. And I live in Jersey and she, you know, I have these old printing blocks. And, and I thought, oh, it'd be cool to have an art day in Jersey. And she's like, no, I'll never go to Jersey, which is kind of true. Yeah, she was right, yeah. But I was like, fuck, she's away. So I'll prove them wrong. I'll just do, get some cheesy curls and Doritos like and you know cheap wine and do this printing day right she's like you can't get like cheesy you know I said, look if people leave and they 
considering what kind of food that was on offer <laughs> but it's a free art day right there's something wrong with the fucking art right 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 so um so I did that and I ended up doing that for three months every Sunday, learned all this stuff about the difference between being a guide and being a teacher and mm-hmm. whatever, and transferred that into my store. So that kind of happened to be to show her, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. Right. Now, that's a ridiculous way to stay, say you started something and I could pontificate it about some philosophical this, that, and the other. But all these things led to it, like those coffee grounds that led to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think. It's important to realize that you go, okay, well, what ended up was really special, but how it started could be any one conversation in any relationship with somebody like, the best, my best customer was this woman, and she came in and she, uh, she's called Tiffany, and I don't know if we've got time for this. No, 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 please. And she was, uh, I hope Tiffany isn't listening. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but she's, many she's a middle-aged woman, she's kind of overweight, there's like a few of them all together. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't know, I just opened up a store, you know, a couple of months. And and I was, sometimes I, I would, it had a secret back part. Right, yeah, so yeah, I remember. I was just out the front and I was like, oh God, you know, like I was thinking he's some like Midwest women going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was being a snob, a being whatever, being narrow-minded, uh-huh. whatever. I totally admit it. And uh, anyway, so she came in and she picked this kind of diamante, like sweater with diamante things on. And she came in the back and, uh, and we had a like, two hour chat. There's a secret part in the back, like a lounge like this mm-hmm. to start chatting. And then you made, you, there was a garment at the front and you could have it on condition that you came in the secret back part and there was a workshop and you made something to replace it. Right. And it was all this whole thing about, you know, stores used to make things in the back Mm-hmm. and sell them in the front etc but anyway so so she came and we, she chatted and said you know she she was like she wasn't a sad person but she said that she understood that she was kind of a not particularly attractive middle-aged woman who'd never all the guys she'd been with had never really loved her wow for who she was uh she lived in midtown and like was probably going to lose her apartment because she had this like you know basic job and was struggling to afford it and um, but she was kind of a cheerful person mm. she was accepting of well this is probably the reality I'm not going to kid myself me and George Clooney aren't yeah. going to get together yeah 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 which you know is, is really nice and refreshing anyway so she went in the back and she I would always show people how to use the printing blocks but then just leave them to it uh-huh. and so on the front of this diamante thing it just said because of the letters it just said desolation <laughs> and on the back which is plain she, there's a printing block of this like ship in this tropical scene and it was all different colours and uh, she which she made it all different colours mm-hmm. and then it said Lux L-U-X-E right? and I said uh, Tiffany like, what's, what's, what, what's the meaning behind behind your shirt and she said well basically she said my last boyfriend used to laugh at me because I would go out at night and I would find books that people had thrown away and then I would list them on eBay for like a dollar or whatever oh. and people would buy them and he used to laugh at me saying well you've been out for three hours and you've got three books like what a waste of time and she said you know I basically go out walking around I get a book that somebody would throw away it's recycling and then somebody gets a book that they want to read and I get a dollar 
Yeah. It's like, it's a win, 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 win. And this right. guy didn't get it. And she said, and he used to always ridicule me. But she said, and we split up like two years ago or whatever. But she said, I had the last laugh because six months ago, I'd always wanted to go to Bali. And after doing this for four years, I've saved enough cool. dollars to go to Bali for a week. Wow. And she said, so that's what this shirt is about. On the front, the diamant is buying some sparkly shit to like make yourself feel better. Right. Leads to desolation. Wow. And actually following your dream in that, or having a dream and it happening is your luxury in life. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly why I opened this store. I had no yeah. idea you'd call in. I was totally, you know, judgmental of who you are yeah. as a person thinking, yeah. hey, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, and more fool me, idiot. Because she, and the nicest thing was, she, uh, you know, we kept in touch a little bit and I won the store of the year. And it was out in uh, Texas, in Dallas, or Austin. And, um, so I called her and I said, hey, Tiffany, like, if you, I've won the store of the year and I want to take my favorite customer <laughs> to Dallas to the award ceremony because I think it'd be nice to have like a customer. You could tell people what, yeah. what it was like well, the, I mean, to the be proof, a customer. The, the proof of concept of the store right. in the flesh. Yeah. So, because uh, what you do is you, at the end, you got your garment and I took a picture of you holding what you took and then what you left uh -huh. behind. Uh -huh. And then I would connect people. Right with who got what. So basically, she could describe that reasoning of what was written on that to the next person, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so she said, I've never been, to, never been to Texas. That'd be amazing. And uh, I was like, oh, well, it's this Saturday night and whatever. And she said, oh, and it's my birthday the next day. What? And I was like, that's perfect. And I said, awesome. if you want, you know, I've got this hotel. Look, you know, I'll get you a room. I'll pay for your flight. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not a rich person. No, but at all. I'm a single dad, whatever, like, you know. But this, this is, is part of what you were trying to do, yeah. man. I mean, that's like why, right. why it's okay to do this is because this yeah. is the point. No, but I don't want to seem like, oh, you right. know, my daughter was like, hey, you know, some people will think you're like some trustafarian doing this. And right. nobody ever did, which is <laughs> nice, really. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I, I said, look, and I can change your flight if you want to stay, you know, Sunday night as well and enjoy your whole birthday there, you know, I could you know, you can fly back on a Tuesday or whatever, I don't care. Right. And so, so she said, oh yeah, I'm so excited to go to Dallas, it'd be amazing. And then uh, a few days later, she called me and said, Adrian, I've got some bad news. And I said, what? And she said, I just remembered, and this was like two months ahead. She said, my, one of my friends from high school is coming to visit me for my birthday. And he lives in Boston and he's already got a bus ticket and I don't want to let him down. Oh man. And so, I'm gonna say no. And I was just like, Tiffany, that's even more, you're even more special that you would give up this really amazing all expenses trip to, yeah. to Texas. Yeah, not tell your friend, just, oh, just cancel your bus ticket. Like, to, there's next yeah, year. For your, whatever. Yeah. To, because your friend's coming to visit. Wow. What an amazing woman. Yeah, really. yeah, that's great. Well, I don't wanna keep you too long, but I, what I wanna say is, and this is like half news for whoever's listening, but also really fits in perfectly with that story is um, after getting laid off um, in late November and really trying not to dive back into a design position where I'm selling a product or selling property or doing this, um, I finally uh, accepted an offer last week for a place called Arabella Advisors and they are uh, an investment advising company that are 
for lack of a better term, woke. Um, they're doing activism. You're going from broke to woke. Exactly. They're doing activism <laughs> for like the climate crisis, women's wow. rights, reproductive uh, accessibility, um, you know, racial justice. Um, you just did a load of swearing on this podcast. You fired, or, you fired already. I know. That's all right. Well, you know, I haven't started yet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think Great. it's, Got, it's, it's so, thank you, man. And it's so aligned with what I want to put out in the world. So yeah. as you said right at the beginning, I don't know if it was on the tape, but you said sometimes, and I firmly believe this is a fatalist thing or whatever, mm. but life knows what's better for you than yes, you do. Absolutely. Right? So you getting kicked out. Yep. I'm not saying, hey, freaking out, life should give you cancer or you know, kill no, you or but... be crippled or something. Not it doesn't, you know, apply to freaking coronavirus. Right, exactly. But basically there's a lot of things where we're umming and are in with whatever, we have this cocoon around us of safety and we don't want to take risks or we don't wanna do things and I it helps if you're not a regretful person and you yeah. just take an opportunity you're open-minded yeah. but that is a real thing that there's very few surprises in life that result in major injury death mm -hmm. or bankruptcy mm -hmm. and we agonize over tiny decisions <laughs> that really you know just fucking get on with it yeah exactly, exactly. and if you don't get on with it life will just yeah life push will push you in the back and, and kick you out the door yeah, absolutely so Oh, that was perfect, man. Thank you so much again, cool. Adrian, and Tudor, too, by the way. I was sure. sitting here very quiet the whole time. But, <laughs> um, no, I really appreciate it.